What's going on? Welcome back to the James Kennedy Podcast. Thanks for tuning back in. How you doing? I hope you've all had an awesome week. And if you haven't yet checked out the last episode with Nathan Paul Southern, go and do it now. Because that was one of the most mind-blowing conversations I've had in a long time. The stuff that guy was talking about, Jesus Christ, man. Go and check it out. Honestly, it was it was an insane chat talking about some mind-blowing investigative journalist work that he's doing over in East Asia to do with criminal networks and organized crime and how it uh, overlaps with state governments and stuff like that. Mind-blowing stuff. Honestly, it was, it was a fascinating chat. So please go back and check that one out if you haven't caught up yet. Not much to report on my end since the last time we spoke, in all honesty, man, you know, I'm working on the second book. And when you're doing that, you know, you, well, for me anyway, I tend to just become a bit of a hermit, even more so than normal and just stay indoors and just hammer away at that. So, so no kind of glamorous Instagram posts can be derived from someone just sitting in front of a laptop in a hoodie with a beard typing. So nothing exciting really to report at this end. But, you know, watch this space because, as I said, the infamous Mr. Eddie Marsh is now back from touring with Iron Maiden. So the underdogs will hopefully be shattering some eardrums very soon. And I will be forced to drag myself out of this long three-year hibernation that I've been going on. But fear not. Because today's guest has a life that is a gazillion times more rock and roll than mine. And I'm super excited to finally be able to get them on the podcast. But before I do that, you know the drill by now. Have you subscribed to the podcast? If you haven't, go and do it right now and come back. Have you left a review yet or a star rating? If you haven't, come on, man, help a brother out. This shit's free. All right, let's just get down to business because I'm super excited to talk to today's guest. So let's bring him on. You may know him as the voice in the hair in the generation defining blackout or the voice in the mullet in the bone shattering raiders. Or you may know him as the Chopsy Bastard on the amazing Sappening Podcast. I don't think I need to say any more than that. If you don't know who I'm talking about already, then what the fuck is wrong with you? Joining me today from about 10 minutes down the road, (laughs) the talented, the stylish, and the ever-entertaining, Mr. Sean Smith. What is happening, sir? Wow, what an intro. Thank you very, very much. Um, Wow, you're a massive liar, James. Um, (laughs) I worked really hard on that, Sean. No, no, I could tell. No, no, oh, don't, oh, don't get me wrong. I could tell it worked. You had to work to get those lies out. Talented. <laughs> all right. All right. Talented and stylish. Talented and stylish and ever good. entertaining. I, I, you know, I don't see any problem with that, dude. Um, well, entertaining is something. If you, but you know, what could be good or bad? Could entertain. You? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Watching a car crash could be entertaining. <laughs> Hello. Well, we'll see what we'll see what unfolds. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on, man. It's not like you need to be on my humble podcast, even though you host, you know, the biggest, you know, music podcast on the planet. So I really appreciate oh, you, uh, you know, helping a brother out, man. No, oh, no, no, not at all. Um, yeah, but it's, yeah, something's not that big. I, I think we um, we fake it. We've only probably got about six listeners, I reckon. So we make it up on the loan um, but, but somehow you managed to uh, bamboozle like the biggest rock stars on the planet to come and give you the time. So you must be doing something right, man. Yeah, that's it. Isn't it? It's clever. It's just basically what's happened is after the blackout finished, I realized that um, like all other front men who, when their bands disband, um, I could either become a tattooist or a barber. <laughs> and um, I'm not very good at drawing and I'm not very good at cutting hair either. So. Um, <laughs> My last option was talk to your friends that, that might remember you, that, that you were friends with when you were in the band. So, yeah, started it that way. And now 
managed to con, like you said, loads of um, PR people into thinking we're an actual right. credible podcast and news outlet. But yet to get Fred Durst, is that right? Oh, the bastard, yeah. <laughs> no Fred Durst yet. Um, but I have, I've DM'd him several, several times on Instagram. Right. And he's liked them. He's liked them. Or he sent back like lightning bolts. Ah. Um, but uh, hasn't agreed to come on. My thing is, I think... The problem is with Fred, what Limbiscuit are currently going through, this dad vibe shit, right, hmm. is I think he's a little bit embarrassed um, by it. So right. rather than just fucking be like, yeah, I don't want to fuck, I'm Fred Durst, the king of new metal, he's going, oh, well, you know, your dad like this and all this shit. Yeah, right, right. And, and I feel a little bit sad inside. So I think the reason he's not doing interviews and podcasts and stuff is because he's sick of being asking when this new Limp Bizkit stuff right, come in. Right. And he did a film not long ago with John Travolta, which I don't know if you if you know about. He directed no. a film with um he directed a film with John Travolta and apparently it did like three hundred tickets the first week oh, in fucking all hell. of the world. Oh shit. So I I'd imagine he's probably worried that someone's gonna go, Oh Yeah You fucking film flop then Whereas I would just love to have him on just to rim him for an hour and tell him um, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have anything I have today. We're speaking metaphorically, of course, yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. If I, I don't know. Yeah. Depends where it takes place. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. My tongue's not that long yeah. that I could go over Zoom. Right. <laughs> I tried. I had Brandon Bo- oh, yeah, we had Brandon, you had Brandon on. on yeah. So yeah. I have tried. I have tried to um, make love to a man. So who else do you really want to get on that you haven't managed to get yet? Um, who have you who have you contacted? It's just not playing ball. Uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, right? He seems busy all the time. I don't know what the fuck he's doing. Yeah, um, what the fuck does that guy even do? You know. Well, so we reached out to um, oh, it's Lord's really um, Jared Way. Um, right. I would have thought good. you'd have a bit of a, 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 a gateway to that one. Um, funnily enough, his brother messaged me. Yeah, this is so surreal. I'm looking back and it's mad, really. His brother, who plays bass in my camera romance, Mikey, he messaged me the other day on Instagram saying, is this you? And then with a link to a Forbes article. So <laughs> my first thought was, my first thought was, oh, you've been hacked. Right. So I replied, is this, before I check this link, have you been hacked or is this real? Yeah. And he replied, no, I think it's really you. And then I clicked on it and it's a Forbes article, right? And the headline is, does nose picking... Um, put you more at risk of Alzheimer's slash dementia. I saw that, I think, yeah. And then when you scroll down, there's a photo of me picking my nose, finger from, nose. A bla- yeah. Yeah. from a bland, uh, uh, blackout band shot from fucking 2005. So yeah. I don't know, number one, I don't, I don't know what films we're looking for when they look for that, <laughs> why they chose that, and the fact that one of Michael Romans, possibly the biggest band in the world, yeah. um, one of them went, oh, that's Sean, I'm going to send him this now. <laughs> that was mad to me. So, yeah, um, yeah, I think we're getting closer with the Jared Way one. I think it'll happen eventually. Um, well, I want, to, I want to get the history on the podcast and all that sort of stuff in just a bit. But first, I think we should start with the biggie because we've got loads of stuff I want to ask you today. Um, let's talk about the, the big news of the past week or so. The fucking blackout, baby. Back, playing yes. down in 2023. What's going on? Give us the backstory. Give us the lowdown. Yeah, so basically, um, for anybody listening who doesn't know anything about the blackout, um, that's fair enough. Um, we started in 2003, and then we finished in 2015. And in those 12 years, we did a surprising amount of touring 
and playing with our heroes and stuff. And then uh, 2015 came along and we were all a bit um, jaded and let down by the music industry. Um, so we decided to call it a day. And then um, seven years later, November the 9th, 2022, uh, we announced that the Blackout was going to come back for a show at the Download Festival 2023. So um, after us talking for about six months about what we wanted to do, and what ideas we had for the band. Um, yeah, we settled on the uh, Download Festival, and the lineup looks um, incroyable, which is French for very, very good. Insanity. Yeah, man. What a fucking lineup to be on, man. Jesus Christ. So, how are you feeling? Are you stoked? Are you, you know, are you trepidatious? I mean, what's, what's, because it's been, a, it's been a while since you've been in that capacity. So, how are you feeling? Um, yeah, I was chuffed, to be honest. Um, if anybody's ever listened to my podcast, you'll know that. I never left the black girl. The black girl yeah, left me right. the bastards. Yeah. So uh, I, I was really, really excited for it to come out. And then probably between 9 p.m. on Monday, the 9th of November and 1 a.m., I just read lovely messages that melted my cold black heart. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was it was lovely. It was it was absolutely awesome to hear. Because genuinely, the reason one of the reasons why we go back together is because we're all aging. So is our fan base and our fan base is dwindling as well because people are obviously moving on and, um, you know, because new bands have continued, haven't they? Music didn't stop in 2015 for some reason and everybody carried on this, the selfish buggers. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so just seeing how much it affected people and people were like, I've had a shit year and this is the one thing that's been good and all that. So I'm like, what? The black, wow. It must have been a bad year then if the blackout's the only light. <laughs> yeah, the the response has been incredible. Nice. I don't think yep. any of us expected it at all. Um we when when it went live, we trended. Um it was like Metallic and Slipknot were trending number nineteen on Twitter. And then number twenty one was the blackout. I saw it, yeah, man. Um and no sign of bring me the horizon. So I don't wanna say we should be headlining the third <laughs> day or whatever, or whatever day they're playing, but mm, um, just yeah, saying, that's like, yeah. our fee, I believe. Yeah, that's definitely our fee. Tell him, man. Tell him. I don't mind. Do you know what? I let him keep the headlining spot and all the production, but I love their fee. That would be better. <laughs> I think. But yeah, it's been it's been amazing, and yeah, I just want to. I will constantly be in debt to Andy Coppin and Live Nation um, for having us because he's always been an avid supporter yeah. of the Blackout, even when the Blackout was together. We played Download in like 2009, 2010, maybe 2012 or something like that. And um, so basically Andy didn't get on with the Blackout's booking agent. Ah. And normally if somebody doesn't get on with the booking agent, they normally don't book your gigs yeah. then. Yeah. Um, but Andy has always been so lovely to us that he would come to us direct rather than go to our agent. Right. And um, yeah, he's always been a big supporter of the Blackout. And I've got a lot of time and love for Andy. And um, yeah, I'm hoping we could do some podcast stuff there as well. Um, yeah, that'd be awesome, man. And what what a gig to come back with as well. I mean, I know you've been asked this before, but just to just to get double confirmation, is there any plan beyond this, or is this just doing it for kicks, just to you know get back on stage again, make some noise together, or are you going to not bother planning because then that will kind of take the shine off? Are you just going to enjoy this moment, see what happens, or what's the vibe? Yeah, I, I think we're just going to get back together, do this download thing, celebrate the songs, see how that goes, and then after much after download, probably a couple of months after download, maybe do our own 
weekend shows because right. um, some of the boys are dads now because they yeah. left it in. Um, so, um, yeah, so it's probably going to be like maybe three weekends, six shows, I think, maybe. Right. That'd be later, awesome, man. Later. That'd be awesome. Yeah, well, yeah, hopefully, as long as people, yeah, as long as people come. I'm wearing a Wayne's World T-shirt today. And I, I could see thinking, it, man. You seem to be. Um, for, obviously, this is um, this is an audio only podcast, so the listeners can't see what I'm looking at. So Sean is is sporting a very stylish Wayne's World T-shirt, but he seems to be um, scribbling or drawing some artwork or something as well. What's what's going on there? I just. What are you kind of like? Yeah, it's my ADHD. It is. Um, <laughs> so basically, I just like yeah. I'm not kidding, right? So. When I do the podcast, so the, this is from when I've been doing podcasts with other people. So I did Alex on Fire, Jenna McDougal from here, the early November. I literally just, oh, you won't be able to see this. Oh, it's, it's a bit blurred. blurred as well. Oh, no, yeah, I can yeah. see that. It's just, it's just all bollocks. I just scribble and I just draw while I'm um, talking. I've written down we are talented and stylish as well, which you said earlier. So um <laughs> probably going to add that to my bio I love that you so. could do that man I can't multitask at all there's a guy Scott Carey I don't know if you know him he, he does all my music videos and stuff like that mm. and when I sit in on the, the kind of like the final 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 edit or whatever what he tends to do is, is when he's editing video he'll also have a movie on at the same time on another screen um, and I think he, he said he's got some kind of ADHD thing as well so we can't just like edit he's got to watch a movie whilst he's doing it how the fuck that happens I got no idea but yeah. like th- my brain can't do that shit man yeah I wonder how many times he's confused the music video with whatever he's watching yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. James I'm thinking at the end we get rid of that scene where we dip Arnie in the molten lava like, <laughs> what the fuck yeah you've been watching Terminator 2 again guys <laughs> you've been watching Terminator 2 again <laughs> <laughs> I've done it again I'm like fucking hell yeah. James we've been in the jungle where we get Arnie to meet um, the other fella and he goes Dylan you son of a bitch I think we should definitely keep that and we're like that was predator yeah that was predator unbelievable I'm actually envious of his ability to do that though man I mean have you have you actually got ADHD or uh... um, I'm not uh, diagnosed um, but yeah, I, I'm 100% sure yeah I'm 100% sure I haven't gone to get it diagnosed because what are they going to do? What's the point? Yeah. Yeah. It's literally, I literally feel like, well, all right, I'd know. And then I'd be like, yeah, well, I've known that for years. It, right. it makes sense because in school, my, my reports were always the same. It was always the same thing. Can do it. Very, very intelligent. Cannot focus. Right. And I was like, yes, yes, of course. Of That's course. Me. Yeah. And yeah. And now as I got older and I read more about the symptoms and stuff like that, I was like, oh yeah, of course that makes sense. And then, yeah, I can go and get it diagnosed, but if I end up on, I don't know, Adderall yeah, or whatever, the, they, yeah, fuck that. They, they give for that. That's just going to make me go. Bleh. Yeah, you're doing you're doing great as you are, man. Yeah, I, I think I got a little bit of OCD. Um, I can only really focus Ooh. on one thing at a time, you know, and, I, and I'm very intense about that. But I have to finish stuff. Like it doesn't matter if it's not even that good. I have to fucking finish it. If I start something, I'm finishing the motherfucker. Like my first book came out in the lockdown. I wrote the whole fucking thing in two months. Wow. I was like, I'm. I'm doing this fucking thing and I don't do anything else until the thing is finished. I grow a big beard. I smell, you know, I got food down me. My health goes to shit. And I just, I, I, if, I can't relax until the thing is done. And then as soon as whatever it is, is done, I immediately start something else, like another album or whatever. And until that fucking album is done, I can't rest, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm the opposite in a way that I, um, will not do things until the very last moment. Um, and worry about it. Or the other thing is, if I, if I am doing something, so say, for example, like I do band management, started working um, 
the last six months with Ryan Richards from right. Future History Management yep. and Funeral for a Friend. We look after a bunch of bands. So now today, we have some announcements going out later today. But um, before I can uh, write up those announcements, I need more information from the band. Hmm. And now I am on pins because I've sent that email asking for that information. If that information comes before two o'clock now, the announcement goes out at two o'clock. So I am going to be vibrating now until I get the exact information I need from this band right. to post before two o'clock. So, yeah, it's, it's a weird one. I really wish I didn't have it, but then... Well, you get a lot of shit done, though, dude. I mean, come on, man. You're smashing the fucking podcast out every week. You're, you're, you're in two bands. Yeah, it looks like that, though. Yeah, it looks like that right. to you. Right. But in my, in my head, it's terrible. Everything's right. <laughs> on fire. So, um, yeah, but that's, this is the thing. There's, there's been moments where because I've read like ADHD leads to depression and stuff like that. And that would make sense because there's been moments where I've been awfully depressed. Right. And, um, yeah, it's just, there's been moments where I've been like, Oh, you know, I wish I didn't have it. or whatever. I wish I could have listened in school and just got my qualifications. But it's like, what would I have ended up doing? Mm. Cause I don't think there's anything in my body that can make me do like a sit down nine to five in an office. I would kill you. Oh yeah, I I think so. Yeah, I'd have to be the company jester, um, or or something along those lines. Because yeah, it's been it's been terrible. But then on the same time, if I didn't have whatever I got, maybe you know myself and the blackout wouldn't have yeah. done what we did. I guess. Yeah, well, that's what makes you you, isn't it? It's, that's what gives you your unique creative spark, you know. And that kind of leads into something I wanted to ask you because you um, had Ian Winwood on the podcast recently. Shout out to Ian Winwood. He was on my show back in May talking about his amazing book, Bodies. What a fucking book. Everybody go and check that out as well. Awesome. Um, and he asked you a question when he was on your show. Um, he said, is it better to have loved and lost than never to have you know, tasted the dream at all? And you didn't get to fully finish your answer before the conversation kind of moved on. I was really, really keen to hear what your answer was to that because, you know, you've lived, you've had an experience of the music industry that pretty much other, most other bands will never achieve. I mean, you know, you've toured the world, you've, you've played, you know, stadiums and arenas and things like that. You know, you, you've kind of, you've tasted that lifestyle. You've lived it, but also it ended as well. And then you had to like pick up the pieces and, and start a new life. Yeah. So I'd be really keen to hear your answer to that as to what the experience of finally achieving your dream and living your dream was like, but then also what it was like when it ended and whether you do think that it was better to have loved than lost or, or never to have done it in the first place. Because I'm imagining the existential crisis that you must have experienced when it all ended. It must have been a motherfucker, man. Uh, yeah, very much so. Very much so. Um yeah, it was very, very tough when it ended because I'd reached out to loads of people before we announced that it was going to end to try and like find what I could do next or what, um, what job I could do or if there was anything available for me. And there was like, there were people like, um, there was a radio presenter who would, they would call me up whenever they needed the blackout to do something from and we'd go and do it. And then, so a week before we announced we were splitting up, I messaged them. Oh no, a week before we announced we were splitting up December, so a week before December the 1st, 2014, I, um, we went and played acoustically for this person, um, on the radio. And then, oh, while I was there, I was like, I'd love to, I'd love to get involved in radio or radio presenting or stuff like that. And this, this radio presenter was like, oh, you'd be brilliant at that. You'd be amazing. And I was like, oh, thank you. I was like, 
if there's any way I can come down and shadow you, I will literally be your assistant. I'll make you tea, coffee, just so I can come and learn the desk. And you're like, yeah, yeah, that's such a brilliant, brilliant idea. So I planted the seed. And then a week later, when we announced we were splitting up, I messaged this person again. No reply. And then probably for the next like six or seven months, I'd sent the messages by a text, by a WhatsApp, by a Facebook, wow. and got no got no reply whatsoever. Fucking hell. So yeah, I was lost. I was depressed. I was lost. I had no idea what I could do because if you look at my CV, it went um worked in McDonald's when he was sixteen. Um Rockstar. Uh, no, it, no, it's better than I because McDonald's when I was 16, Argos for two Christmases because he couldn't keep a full-time year job. Castle Bingo, not a bingo cola. Sweet. Not a bingo cola, sadly. And, and then went to college, just about to finish my third year of media studies, and the band takes off. So my, my CV looks like um, job, 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 missing for 13 years. <laughs> Reappeared. So, um, yeah, so when this person didn't get back to me, I was very, very gutty with that because I thought, I thought, oh, I'll use my in, really. Like, this will be, be the start of the new thing I will focus mm. on and, and complete. And they never got back to me. So that was 2015. And then 2020, we had a massive flood in South Wales yep. that flooded out a place called Club Bond in yep. Pondipreeth. And this radio DJ texted me February 2020 saying, oh, hiya, sorry I missed your messages. <laughs> um, it seems you're doing well with the podcast. I'm just wondering, is there any chance the Blackout would get back together uh... to, play, to play a charity show for me for Club Bond? So what I've done now is I've purposely not replied to him. And in three more years, because they left yeah, me on red yeah, for five years, yeah. in three more years, I'm going to reply and go, no, we can't do that, Club of Bond. <laughs> I love that I one, man. Go, I might reply going, oh, I see Club of Bond to sort itself out. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Good. yeah, can I have a game? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, so when the band, yeah. So when the band fell apart, I was so, so lost. And I, I genuinely mourned that. Like it was, it was like a death of a friend, hmm. um, which was, which is why it's taken so long and it's been so hard for me to get the other boys back in and on the same terms because, um, we genuinely all moaned it. Like we were all absolutely gutted it had to come to an end. And yeah, looking back on it now, it was like the business side of it that killed it for right. us. It was so many fingers and so many pies, so many people taken from us. Yeah. Um, since then we've real, we found out that like a record label owes us in excess of 26,000 pounds. Um, and apparently I've somehow been scammed out of the rights for our album uh, and an EP. Uh, um, so they don't own that anymore, which means we don't own that anymore, which means we don't know. It's, it's been taken off streaming websites. Oh, fucking hell. So yeah, it was the business side that put a fucking end to it. That's um, usual. Persuading. It's very, very aggressive. But, yeah. um, <laughs> get it out, man. Get it out. Yeah. Bastard. Bastard music. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was twenty questions. We'll go back to the Ian Windward question of to love the lost. Don't get me wrong. I had the best time of my life. Nobody expected us to do what we did. I never expected to go to Japan and Australia and to meet my heroes. 
were all fucking lovely to me. But yeah, there was part of me that wish I just fucking didn't have whatever I'd got, listened in school. Really? Could work in an office. And yeah, just because to have the stability. Because hmm. when we came out to the blackout, it was so unstable in all ways, like financially, yeah. um, mentally. Uh, but did you feel like that when you were in the band? When the band was doing well and doing its thing? I'm sure you didn't feel like that then. No, not not early on, but I suppose probably from 2012 onwards when it became... The, sh- the shows were the only highlights. Right. So playing the gigs was the only fun. So if you think about it, say, you, you know, you could be doing a fucking three-month tour or whatever, only one hour a day you'd be enjoying it and the rest you were trying to work out. Where's our money gone? Why haven't we got any money? Can the boy, you know, can we afford to pay our rent? Because we all had like houses and girlfriends and fiancés and, you know, the boys had children back home. And we could see that our our profit was dwindling or whatever. So, yeah, it was just the, like the last two or three years were um, not so fun apart from the shows. Like right. to this day, like everything I've ever loved about that band, everything I've ever wanted for that band was just to play gigs, right. just to show off and have fun and have a laugh. And that's the old thing. Like um, towards the end, recording was like boring. Like I'm just just kind of bored. We kind of bored of that because you know you've got to record to put something out to yeah. play to try it's a and sell. Cycle, and isn't it? It's a hamster wheel. Yeah. 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 And um, that's interesting, man. That's interesting. And the thing is, it's, I, it sounds ungrateful, and that's the worst bit about it. But this is what Ian Winwood said on my on the podcast as well. A lot of people in bands don't feel like being in a band is a proper job. Proper job, yeah. Because it doesn't get looked at because you're not doing fucking nine to five hard graft. Yeah. Like all the other fucking men before you in South Wales yeah, who yeah, were yeah. down the pit and all this shit. But yeah, I did get to travel. I got to meet my egos. I got to live in this world. But that's the thing. It's like, even when after it finished, like even after it finished, me and my girlfriend went to go and see Death of Anna play somewhere. And... I was still jaded and like blase about it all. So I went there and basically I would like pick apart the show to my girlfriend because, you know, I've done it. So when I, when I went to this show, it was almost as if some, how do I describe this? Somebody else is having sex with a girlfriend on stage, I guess. Right, yeah. It's like, oh, I can, I can do that. I can do that yeah, pretty yeah. well as well, I think. <laughs> um, give me a go. I can do that then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me have a go now. Even, you know, unless Death of Honor, an amazing band, James is a better singer than I could ever be in my life. But there was, you know, there's always part of me that whenever I went to a gig, made me go, oh, I could do this. Mm. I, this is what I do. This yeah. is my thing. Like, I know everything that's going on in this show. And so, yeah, it, like sometimes me and my girlfriend would go to shows and it was like a busman's holiday. Right. So like we were getting there and she was excited to see the band and I was just like, oh, I couldn't care less, it's not me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I can relate to that, yeah. Yeah, so um it seems ungrateful to say, you know, part of me wishes that it had gone differently, or maybe not even have happened at all. For wow. me to be more, more mentally secure. But you know, I have lived my 
I have lived my dreams and yeah. met my heroes. And, um, yeah, and that that you know, and that means something, man. You know what I mean? It's like you've got yeah. the stories, you've got the memories, you've got the life experiences, and the growth that comes from that. That's something, isn't it? I think, like, I mean, yeah. it, I, you know, I don't want to turn this into an Ian Winwood Appreciation Society, but I mean, you know, he touches on the I mean, the book is so fucking good; it covers all this stuff, doesn't it? I mean, the people that actually get to achieve that level in the industry where they've got the stability, you know, emotionally, mentally, and financially, are very, very few, man. It's less than one percent you know uh, yeah it's gotta be it's gotta be so the only reward the rest of us can get is is the things that you just mentioned it's the experiences you know what i mean it's it's, yeah. it's to taste those highs and have those memories and those stories but it sucks then when the fucking party's over you know yeah um or or when you write an album called start the party um <laughs> that's that's when it starts to suck as well because we made the mistake of doing a party type album thinking oh we're partying now i'm sure our audience Apart, oh no, they're much younger than us and they're still miserable. <laughs> um, so yeah, we put out the start the party album and then that 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 led to our decline as well. So that didn't help. Um but yeah, like I am I am grateful for what we did, but there were more there have been moments where I've second guessed and doubted if I should have done it at all. Wow. But it's lucky it's lucky that I've kind of got the gift of the gab, I guess. Because if it was like another say Gavin, for example, now, like if Gavin was in my situation. I don't think he would have done a podcast. Like he went straight back into working with um, Neil Starr from a band called Attack Attack and Dopamine in South Wales. Yep. Um, who uh, He runs um, a merchandise company called All About The Merch. So Gabby went back to work with him. Whereas I guess me doing the podcasting is trying to make some money off these good memories that I've got. got so you. the one thing that I did get from the band, good memories and the ability to meet people and do these crazy things, I am now trying to still monetize via talking about it yeah. because it didn't make enough money back then. Well, it's exactly the same, bro. I mean, like uh, th- my book, I mean, we, my band, Kashira, never got to do any of the shit that the Blackout did, you know, far from it, you know. It, so, but when, when my band ended and we didn't even get above the level of just getting fucking royally rogered from every angle by every crook in the fucking game, I was like, yeah. I've got to do something with this, you know, even, even though I don't have the stories that you've got or whatever or the experiences, like, I've got to do something with this. So I wrote a fucking memoir about how fucking shit it all was. <laughs> just try to do something with the experience, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's the thing now. Um, yeah, it just makes me look and feel ungrateful for um, what I had and what I lost or whatever. But I don't think so, man. I think it's honesty because I think it's I think it's healthy that, that with that honesty as well because so many people, especially fans of bands or young musicians, wanting to get into the game, I think that kind of mythology just sets people up for so much fucking bad health and 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 letdowns themselves. I think it's I think it's healthy to be honest about the reality of the industry, you know. Yeah, 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 I guess so. Yeah, I hope some people have <laughs> you heard me speak about it and gone, "Oh, cool!" But it's not all fucking glitz and glamour and gold. And yeah. maybe there is some sort of because that's the thing. Like when I was, you know, when I was coming up as a kid, you didn't get any of that. Like, don't get me wrong, you had rock stars killing themselves, yeah, and that's obviously fucking awful. But you, you know, I wasn't thinking of like. I remember back early on in the blackout days when I had no idea what depression or any of that shit was. And I remember arguing with the then, at the time, the editor of Rock Sound because we were talking about Kirk Cobain. And I said something like, fuck Kirk Cobain. I can't believe he'd do that. He, I can't believe he'd kill himself and he's got a kid and he's got all that money. It's like, And then 
cut to a fucking seven years later and I was like oh no I completely understand why he did that <laughs> fucking hell lucky we haven't got shotguns over here <laughs> um, but yeah so yeah there was you know there's moments where because I grew up thinking oh being a rock star is just all fucking glitz and glamour you're just loved by everyone there's no fucking downside yeah and there was no one for me to like you know check out before and yeah so hopefully people can We'll check out the podcast and realize that it's not all glitz and glamour and there's moments where it's really hard work and um, you're not going to make much money, if any at all. If any at all, yeah. That's, that's the thing. It's like, again, like to go back to fucking Ian Winwood, just turn to a fucking, I think this is Ian Winwood, fucking tank club. Change your name podcast. Change your name podcast. Yeah, like he mentioned about it being a job and stuff and it's like, there were points in the blackout where we were earning, I don't know, probably like fucking 400 quid a month each. Right. But we were like, we should be grateful for this. Like mm. we're doing this. And it's like, we're living our dream. Yeah. Other people haven't got this, you know? Yeah. And we put so much into that, that we were like literally just <laughs> forgetting what we need for the future or whatever. We were like, yeah. Oh, right. and yeah but, you know, you know, we get to travel to Japan. It's like, yeah, yeah. But I'm really close to not being able to pay my house rent. Right. This is mad. Yeah. Like lucky we all had, lucky we all, the majority of us had partners and girlfriends at the time. Otherwise we would have been doomed like, or homeless or, well, for, yeah, for a while, for a while, I kind of was because we were out on tour for probably like seven months at a time. And me and, an ex-girlfriend has split up, so I had to move all my stuff back to my parents' house into my old spare bedroom Well, I went on tour for months Fuck. at a time. This is fascinating for me, man, because I did all that same stuff too, but we were still at the club level, you know, and I was yeah, thinking, well, Fuck, this is only happening to us because I'm such a fucking loser, you know? <laughs> no, no. It's happening to the majority. This is the thing. I think a lot of people, a lot of people and a lot of bands online well, everybody online is doing it. They're, they're showing how they've got a better life than they actually have. Totally. It's brilliant. bullshit. Yeah. It's bullshit. And everybody in a band who claims they do it fucking well, unless you're in Param or My Chemical Romance, or Muse. Metal Liquor, or, or Muse, yeah, or Billy Eyelash, like, you're not doing, you're not doing well. Like, it's, it's those few, like, it's mad. It's, and, I don't want to put people off, <laughs> off <laughs> being in a band. So what advice would you give to young bands? <laughs> yeah. What advice would you have to musicians out? Don't fucking bother. Don't bother. Don't bother. Learn, Get a job. Learn Excel. Yeah, yeah learn yeah, Excel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Get into finance. Learn to concentrate. Yeah, learn to concentrate. <laughs> Oh, this is fascinating stuff, man. Yeah, it's so good to, to like, to, to, that you're so honest and open about this stuff, man. What was your experience of the industry when you were in it then, you know, before the reality started to sink in and stuff? I and mean, what, 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 were, what were your relationship like with the industry guys? I mean, were they, did they conform to the cliche of the cigar chomping, coke guzzling, sex predator, fucking um, money grabbing fucktard? Or, or were they generally like nice guys and you, you know? No, no that was it. It did right first time. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> No, um, yeah, kind of, up and down, really. Like, little column A and a little column B. So, right. I wouldn't say many of them were into cigars, but I would say a lot of them were probably into cocaine, which is Welsh for cocaine. And yeah, a lot of them never been... This is the problem. We ended up having people manage us and look after us who had never been in a band, had never written a song, I'd never 
dealt with any of the band life stuff. Probably had never even fucking booked a hotel before they started working or for us or whatever. Right. And um, yeah, it's it's all the same thing. Like I think we were lucky. The Blackout were lucky that we were six reasonably intelligent lads from 2008's third roughest town in Britain, Merthyr Tidville. And, but we were switched on to the fact that people were blowing smoke up our ass. Right. And we were always so um, almost negative to be like, nah, this is never going to happen for us. Or, yeah, whatever. So, like, every record label, every band goes to, if the label's interested in signing you, they'll tell you that they're planning for you to be the biggest band in the world. Right. Right. We all knew from the start, this is a fucking load of bollocks, right? Don't listen to this shit. Do what we can to just keep us fucking playing because playing is the most important thing to us. And then since then, I've seen bands, there's a band from Mercer, right? That were called um, Pretty Vicious. Yep. Where um, Zane Lowe, they had a single out called The Cave Song. Zane Lowe described the front man as possibly the voice of his generation. So this band from Merthyr Tidville started to get some traction. So me and one of the other boys from the Blackout wanted to try and like help them. But when we got in touch with them, like they, one of their fathers and one of their uncles was managing them because they'd been in a cover band. Oh, shit. <laughs> so basically, for our last show, for the Blackout's last show in Reedy College, the centre in Merthyr, we did two nights. We asked Pretty Vicious if they would come and play to open for us as like a passing of the torch to be like, yours, Murtha's next fucking big thing. Oh, yeah. get, get on these now. And it was already sold out. So we didn't, you know, we weren't getting them to sell tickets. And um, yeah, one of the fathers and one of the uncles said to us, yeah, they want two grand a show. And we were like, okay, cool. Never mind then. Yeah, because we the don't fuck? need them. Jesus and, Christ. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And all this shit. And we tried to get, me and Matthew from the band tried to get involved with them to help them because we knew that if you just leave any old numpty from Mirtha in charge of a band, you're doomed um, unless they're switched onto it. Yeah. And then I, I used to speak to my friend then who was friendly with Pretty Vicious as well. And he would tell me stories and, and I'm like, that's never going to happen. And he's like, oh yeah. So they went to Warner the other day and Warner gave him 250 grand or whatever. And, Got him, got him loads of these Gibson guitars and stuff. I'm like, yeah. And they have to pay all that back. 100%. This is why you don't. And he's like, oh, they've been told it. They've told they're going to be the biggest band in the world. I was like, yeah, we've all been told they're going to be the biggest band in the world. <laughs> Listen. And then my friend was like, oh, apparently, rumor has it, and this is the funniest story in the world. Apparently, Noel Gallagher, right? So basically, in Merthyr Tidville, there's a pub called the Growan, right? Lovely, lovely pub. I love it there uh, when I've been there. But um, yeah, so anyway, the Growing Pub, my friend said to me, pretty vicious, I've had an email um, from Noel Gallagher's agent saying Noel Gallagher's going to come to the Growing to ask pretty vicious to go on tour with him, right? And I went to my friend, I went, Craig, that has never, ever happened in the history of a headliner asking a support act you, they've never gone to their hometown and a specific pub yeah, 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 to yeah. ask the band. It's literally, 
We've just had an email off Noel Gallagher's agent asking if we want to go on tour. That would be it. Yes. There'll be no Noel Gallagher's coming. Yeah. And the amount of shit and rumours that I've heard come from people associated with Pretty Vicious who have just fallen for it because they've had the smoke blown up their ass. Right. But that's one of the things the blackout never did. Like we were like, all right, yeah, we get it. Because we knew we were like a screamy, heavy band. We knew we were never going to be fucking Muse or um, James Arthur. Like yeah. we, we knew we weren't going to be those singy fucking massive things. Like we always knew that there was like a, a, a limit to what we could do. But the amount of people who come into this and they haven't got a clue and they just think it's, well, the thing that ended pretty vicious was drugs and rock and roll. I don't know if they're having sex much, but I know drugs and rock and roll really fucking put an end to that band wow. because the singer got really into um, drugs and drinking and mental health and stuff. And yeah, so we a couple of times I tried to get involved uh, with them to help them out, but they just wouldn't listen. And then they ended up fucking self-imploding. That's crazy. And, um, crazy. It's sad. It's, it's yeah. sad more than anything because they yeah. literally had the potential. They could have been fucking massive. They could have been... When, but this happened. This is something I'll fucking... I'll be proud of. March 28th, 2015 was the Blackout's last ever show. And we had an after-show party in Merthyr Tidville. And two of my friends came. But two of my friends loved Pretty Vicious, right? Well, they love the idea of Pretty Vicious, I think. Well, they love Pretty Vicious. And both of them made the point... On the night of the Blackout's last gig of telling me how massive Pretty Vicious are going to be, right? Like, almost as if they were rubbing it, rubbing it in my face, right? And one of my friends would phone me up when Pretty Vicious did anything good. And he was like, oh, they're doing this. And I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> and two of my friends that very night, our last ever gig was like, I bet you by 2000 and... What was it? 2020. No, it wasn't even, huh? It was like 2018. They led like red in. Pretty vicious. What the fuck? I shook on this. I'm £150 each. They both owe me money. So Craig Bowen, Martin Williams, if you're listening to this, you both owe me 150 quid. I wouldn't be surprised if you know Martin Williams, by the way. I do. There you go. He owes 150 quid. <laughs> Get on it, um, Martin, you type fucker. Yeah, it's just people had like literally put all their fucking money on Pretty Vicious doing well. And, you know, like I saw so many people in Merthyr try and get involved with them early on so they could, you know, ride the rocket with them. It happens um, all the time, man, doesn't it? You know, I mean, it's like, especially like where, where we are in South Wales, I mean, there's so much talent around here. There's so many bands. And, oh, yeah. you know, you hear this all the time, like your band will be on the scene for like two minutes. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're playing arenas. They've got a record deal. You know, they're supporting, you know, massive bands. And it's like, oh, wow, you know, these are going to be the next guys, you know. Then when you speak to them, they say, yeah, it's a band going, boys. You know, they're like, oh, no, it's, it's bad. You know, the label are rinsing us. You know, we're, we're hungry. <laughs> you know, we haven't got any money. And before you know it, it all comes crashing down again it's such a shame but it happens literally all the time so you know it's so hard man it's tough out there you know well here's another story that maybe your listeners can they're probably so far removed from feeling anything with me at the moment (laughs) so the blackout got offered to do five linkin park shows wow so five shows supporting linkin park we worked out that over those five days we played 150,000 people, right? Fuck. So we had a box of 1,000 T-shirts printed thinking, this is good. If we work it out, and you know, 150, you know, it was at least 
30,000 people a gig, maybe. Does that work out? Does my maths work out for that? No idea. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even try. 30,000 people a gig. So we thought, if we get 1,000 t-shirts a gig, right, surely we'll shift most of them. Five dates, support in Lincoln Park, 150,000 people. By the end of the tour, we had sold 14 t-shirts. What the fuck? And that's not because we went down bad. We went down very, very well, right? This is the thing with the blackout. Super good at stealing other people's fans. Oh, yeah. Great life band, man. Super good at doing enough comedy in between songs that people like the band one way or the other. They either hate the music and think, oh, they're funny, or they think, I love the music. I wish that long-headed twat would stop trying to be funny. (laughs) But, like, we'd we'd won so many people over on our Linkin Park tour that we found online after. Like, all those things, like, went up. But we sold 14 T-shirts on that whole, whole run. So that goes to show... And we were probably on a support. We were probably on 400 quid a night, if that. So you're doing these places. And these are in, we did Greece, Latvia, Lithuania, Munich. We played in Madrid in a bowling. How many people can say they played a bowling? Yeah, that's fucking mental. Um, well, loads of matadors, I suppose. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so we played like these shows that we had to fly into and, you know, sort out our hotels. We get paid 400 pounds a show. And then you work out you sold fourteen. Hang on a second. Is that is that the band or per member? Oh no, no, that's the band. The band was four hundred quid. Yeah, yeah. If you support in those big bands, so say now, my character romance, we were main supporter of them. I don't know, but I'd imagine we were probably being paid under a grand a night between all of us. Wow. Um, for those arena shows. But yeah, like if you're opening for a, a big band, like the amount of times we opened for um, Lost Profits in um, theatres and stuff like that, we were on 50 quid opening. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so even when you're like a main support, there's not much, unless you're doing some sort of giant co-ed like type tour mm. with someone. The supports are not being paid that much. Well, you're doing it, I suppose, for the you know the exposure to a bigger crowd. But then, if you like, you say, does that translate then into into actual new fans? Because if you're shifting 14 t-shirts when you play to fucking gazillions of people, then what's the what's the conversion? You know? Yeah, and I guess that's where our live show and the the comedy aspect of it um, came in with winning people over. It didn't, yeah, it didn't translate into merch money. But then some of those gigs with Michael Rome uh, with Lincoln Park. One of them in Latvia, we found out because as a support band, we had a price match with Linkin Park. Ah, uh, right. So say Linkin Park t-shirts were 30 quid, our t-shirts had to be 30 quid. We couldn't do them 20 like we wanted yeah. to. Yeah. In Latvia, we did a show where they, uh, their t-shirts were like, it came to like the average week wage in Latvia for one of their t-shirts. Now. And we sold one t-shirt of that gig in Latvia. And we always said, if we ever meet that person, they have free access to any blackout shows forever. Right. Because you spent a week's wage on a stupid t-shirt yeah. from a silly band from Wales who was supporting Linkin Park yeah. when you could have bought Linkin Park merch. Yeah. And that's the thing. People don't see don't see the, the, the hidden costs and or the lack of money. It's like yeah. they see you supporting My Chemical Romance to this arena, and that's cool. But when you work out 
everybody else around the band is getting paid more than everybody in the band. It comes as a shock to people. Um, I remember the Black, the Blackheads' biggest ever headline show. We played Camden Roundhouse, and it was like three thousand people sold out. And I worked out everybody who worked for the band that day got paid more than I did for that week of shows. Fucking hell! Yeah, that's fucking because crazy. For some, for some reason, bands now uh, make less money. Um, because people just steal the music for free online. Right, right. Bands are in twenty twenty two costs, but techs and stuff are still in nineteen eighties money. Got you. So like guitar techs, drum techs, fucking front of house, tool managers, they're all getting like the two hundred plus a day. And then the six people on stage who brought these three thousand people to this gig were on hundred and fifty quid a week if yeah, we were lucky. It's fucking wrong, man. It's wrong. It's wrong. The one thing I wanted to ask you was having sort of had success in what could be considered now the older model, I suppose, when it was still MySpace and yeah. CDs and merch and stuff like that. And now, obviously, you're in a new band, Raiders, in, in the new model, starting out in a new model. Oh what, how do you, what's the comparison for you? Do you see it as better or worse now? I mean, I've always been a kind yeah. of someone who got fucked so hard by the old model. I've always been an evangelist for the new model. That, and now I can make a record in my house for free, put it out myself, do what the fuck I like i'd make all the money if there is any you know no one tells yeah. me what the fuck to do i got social media i can do all that shit i've always been an evangelist for that but the truth yeah. of the matter is there's actually zero money in that at all there's, there's yeah. creative freedom but there's there's nothing yeah. else you know so what are your thoughts on do you think it's better now or just a different set of problems i think it's better now for some reasons um obviously the reach um that you can get out to you know all corners of the world now. Because when we started, literally, we were one of the MySpace bands. Yeah. So I think the, the probably the most famous ones are like Arctic Monkeys. Enter Shikari did very, very well off MySpace. Um, who else did very well? Dane Cook, the comedian, did very well off MySpace. And yeah, so we were we were one of the early kind of MySpace-y bands which led us to get signed to Fierce Panda Records, which was our first record label. And our first album in the first week of sales did 12,000 records, right? So it did 12,000 sales. Yeah. If that was today, we'd be number one by 6,000 yeah. records. Right, yeah. We'd be double number one. Like, and that charted at like 128, right? So We Are The Dynamite came out, sold 12,000 copies the first week. Charted like 198, 89, something like that. It was way down in the hundreds anyway. And then we went on to do uh, The Best in Town, Hope, and Start the Party, all charted in the top 40 of streams right. and off the um, stuff like that. But like I said earlier, we, we, we were in the model. We were the crossover between CDs to MP3s and yeah, stuff. Yeah. But this is where this is where I'm saying we're old money now. Like Fierce Panda still owe us and they've literally told us for physical copies. So that's first album stuff. We've never been paid by Fierce Panda and wow. we're still waiting on it now. Um we spoke to them and they said they were gonna give us some money and and we want to see uh the accounts basically. Right. 
because apparently they've got no money, but yet Simon, the owner of the label, just released a book about how shit his record label is. Oh, I saw that, yeah. And I thought, I'll have some of that money in, you cheeky fucker. Because <laughs> um, you've used that money to keep, you've used that woman to keep yourself alive. Yeah. So technically, I wrote that book by keeping you alive, you fucker. Right, right. But yeah, so they owe us thousands of pounds. Um, so we didn't really see any money from the CD era, really. I mean, I've got it there somewhere. There's, there's loads of our money in somebody else's bank account. But yeah, it's just, I'm currently involved in the shooting of a music documentary as well, which at the moment is tentatively called The Price of Sound. Hmm. Because we're trying to work out, is music worth anything anymore? Because now you're literally doing it for free to put out to people to get them to come and look at your other stuff yeah, and right. hopefully buy a t-shirt which yeah, it's, it's is like the bait. more than your songs it's the bait for other stuff isn't it? I, I, I've got a theory that that's always been the case I mean when we were paying like 17 quid for a CD or a vinyl or something like that we weren't paying for the music we were paying for the plastic and the cardboard that's my theory yeah. now, now the manufacturing aspect is gone and music is just a thing that exists in the ether it doesn't have any value but I don't think it ever did I don't think we were ever paying for the fucking music we were paying for all the other shit in the manufacturing chain so it's a strange one then what value do yeah. we, the value that we give to this thing that exists in the ether we've got to decide what that value is and, and I know that everyone feels that value because it's the soundtrack to everyone's life isn't it you know but it's just so fucking mad that we've found ourselves in a system now where that's the norm that musicians just give this shit for free and we're expected to live on fucking thin air or something yeah, well, yeah, you you don't get that in any other job, though, do you? Like, you don't go like, oh, well, I don't think, um, I don't think Tesla employees should be paid for their work. Um, yeah, because they're doing it for the crack. They love it, like you know. Yeah, because they're doing it because they love cars. Yeah, they, that's what they, that's what they. Oh, they've studied in that, so they should be doing it for free. Yeah, 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 they love it, like you know, they're grateful. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah, but that's the problem with being in a band. Like, people are going to be listening to this, going, Sean, I'm in a fucking treacherous job." Yeah. I'm a fucking, I'm an offshore fucking troller, man. Yeah. <laughs> I dare you fucking, I dare you fucking complain about this shit. But that's it. You're just being milked. Like as a band, you're yep. being fucking milked by yep. people who can send some emails for you or something like that. Yeah, 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 and yeah. Don't get me wrong. There are needs for managers and stuff like that um, when it gets tougher. But yeah, the amount of bands I see who are so desperate for a manager and it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, just cut away 20% of your money yeah. now. Yeah. You fucking mental. Just, just so you can, so they can send some emails. So you can fucking look after them emails, surely. Yeah. Um, so, so it's no better now than it was. It's, it's still just as fucked, if not worse. I th- yeah, I think it's kind of worse now, but just because it's worse if you're not a producer or you haven't got any computer talents. Basically, like, me or anyone in radio. Well, Stix is Stix is good at producing and stuff, but doesn't do it because for some reason Raiders we are stuck in the recording the old way model. Got you. So we all have to go to a studio and, and do it that way and um, yes. pay a fucking fortune there. That's a good point. Um, That's a good whereas, point. Whereas other people who can just fucking open their laptop up and play all of the drums, probably like your fucking self. Yeah. 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 You do it all. That's awesome because you've got that in you and congratulations. But then, yeah, for us losers who can't do that, um, <laughs> I think, yeah, it's got shit up for us because we still have to do the old model. Yeah, where that makes a lot of sense. Out, get, get somebody to fund it, get somebody to fund the record studio and stuff yeah. because... yeah. 
yeah that's something i took for granted because i had that's a conversation i had with ian as well and i because i was saying like hey the new model gives us all this freedom and bloody blah, blah and he said yeah but you're lucky that you know not lucky in the sense that I've, I've, I've learned how to do it but i take for granted the fact that yeah i can make a studio well, my last album was made in this fucking chair on this desk didn't cost me a penny you know um nice. and then put it out yeah. free on you know digital kid or whatever the fuck you know but um not everyone is in that situation you know like you know if you're a drummer yeah. or a guitar player in a band you're not the lead singer or you don't know how to produce i mean it's it, it like that's not, that's just not true of most bands is it there are still overheads and expenses for most bands you know a band that is expensive yeah, thing. Yeah. and that's and that's just talk about making the record if you want to get and do some shows fucking hell dude i mean just just booking the thing costs you money half the time you know if you want it certainly if you need accommodation or a vehicle hire or you need you know food and petrol it's fucking through the roof like yeah people don't <clears throat> that's the thing see people don't see the Oh, this just sounds like a woe is me. No, <laughs> people not just so. don't see the people don't see the mountain costs in being in a band. Like. So, so you know, my my new band Raiders. Now we played Bridgewater not long ago, right? You know, we're probably asking for I don't know maybe two hundred pound to go and do a gig, and then promoters are like, oh, you know, if we can't guarantee a sellout or whatever, you know, we can't afford this, and we're like, okay, but factor this in. It costs £150 to rent a van. It costs us £100 on fuel, right? We've got to possibly get someone to drive the van if we can't get one of the van, uh, one of the band to drive here because none of us really fucking enjoy driving or whatever. Um, we've got to get the merch printed. That costs us until, you know, we don't see the money back for that until they're all gone or whatever. And so, yeah, just on the van alone, we're, we're £50 down before we even leave the house. Yeah. So, um, if you can't afford that, you're fucked. Like, and that's that's what it kind of, kind of comes full circle. That's kind of what we said about the blackout. Now is we'll do it for fun. We don't want no business side of it. We're not looking to record anymore. Just celebrate these songs, and we're not looking for major money because we never made major money the first time. We're not looking for major money. Just enough money so we can do the shows. And everybody enjoys themselves. So, Amen. You know, so we can pay our crew. Yeah, so we can pay our crew. We can get there. Our travel is sorted. We don't have to pay anything else. Cool. That's how we're looking at it now. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what like people like say. What advice would you give to young bands starting out and stuff like that? That's exactly the advice for what. For, for, who the fuck am I to give advice? But that's what I would say from my own experience is just do it for the crack and the love of it. Because the second it starts being about anything else, it goes south. You know. Oh, 100%. 100%. I say, um, yeah, set little goals. Because I always had little goals for the blackout. Like when we started, I wanted to play somewhere with a stage. And then it was play somewhere with monitors, even though I didn't know what a monitor did. I just <laughs> seen rock Put your foot I on just it. Seen you know? rock, just seen rock stars, put your foot on it. And I was like, I'd like to stand like that. Well, <laughs> that would be cool. Um, and then, yeah. And then it was play somewhere with a barrier. And then, yeah. And yeah, it was just little goals and just have fucking fun. Make the most out of every gig it doesn't I have literally played shows right where I've been main stage Reading and Leeds right in the middle of the day probably I'm not very good with counting very quickly but I reckon it was about 90,000 people stood in front of me right I've also played a show in Cardiff Barfly where I played we went on to a sound guy and his dog yeah and the sound guy left I've had that exact same thing yeah I played to a gig to a dog six of us played a gig to a dog <laughs> i remember us going boys we're getting paid to practice it's 50 pound to practice that's how we saw it back in the day um 
so yeah, I've done 90,000 people. I've done playing to a dog. Once in Mersey Lounge in Newport, we played to two guys in suits who just bought a bottle of champagne who sat next to the stage facing out. Didn't even watch us. I don't even know where they came in. Sat next to us. So yeah, it's just use every gig. Just make it fun. Just try your best to make it fun. If there's one person there, try your best to win them over. Yeah. Or make them so angry that they go home and tell their friends about you. <laughs> That's what I said to do. 100%. Oh, dude, this is like therapy for me, man. I thought I, I, thought I was alone, man. I thought it was just me. <laughs> no. No. Well, I was um, speaking of money. Uh, when we uh, were, when we were doing our thing in Kashira, doing ex- everything you just described, you know, renting vans and stuff to get around Europe and things and, you know, fucking relentless yeah. costs and merch and all that bullshit. Um, we formed a covers band. And what we would do is we would fucking hammer the cover scene for a bit and put all the money in the uh, in the kitty and save it up. Because you yeah. know, if you're getting paid like 200 quid for a Raiders gig, you get fucking paid 400 quid for a covers band. You know what I mean? And you're it's two minutes down the road. You're fucking owned by you know midnight or whatever. 400 bucks in the kitty. So we would hammer that for a bit, save it all up. And then that would we'd pay for our European tour or whatever in advance in cash. It was all done. Um, that was fucking awesome. Nice. That was the model that we did for a bit. Um, but one night, uh, we were setting up a, a gig in Cardiff ready to go on and I heard this fucking guy screaming going hey oh hey I was like what the fuck and he kept doing it so I like looked over my shoulder I said where the fuck is this guy and he was screaming at me he's going hey oh so it's like oh, I gotta fucking nip this in the bud now so I, I ran over to him I said dude what, what's, what's up man what are, you, what are you fucking screaming about and he's like hey I know who you are but I know you but and I was like, oh, I, who am I then? He was like, hey, not fucking talking, but I fucking know you, but. And I was like, oh, I, you know, who am I then? Tell me. And he was like, Ian fucking Watkins, but. Oh, and I was no. like, are you fucking serious? I said, what? When was this? When was this? This was, this was about fucking, it's got to be like, he was in the neck at that point. It was like, it must have been about eight years ago or something like that. He was like, um, yeah. I was like, dude, do you, think, do you think they let him out on a weekend to play fucking Mr. Brightside, you thick fucking twat? You know what I mean? And he, I said, you want, to go, you want to be careful going around saying that to people because they'll fucking knock you out. Like, you know what I mean? He was like, hey, I fucking know you, but. And he just fucking left and walked off without, without giving me the kick in you would think somebody would give someone if they thought he was Ian Watkins. At yeah, that yeah, point, you know? have to. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah, that says more about that person yeah. to not kicking the if shit out of me thought you were you yeah yeah, yeah I'm, sorry. I'm sorry but you should have had the shit kicked out of me <laughs> I know I was offended I was like dude you have a civic duty to kick the shit out of someone if you think it's Ian Watkins you know and just walk away but um but that's mad I mentioned yeah. that because of course you know you were close friends with the man himself I was, I was very close friends to the man himself. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I was, I was loath to bring this up, but I mean, we don't have to talk about it if we no, don't no, want no, to. No, but no, I no. think it's, uh, it's, it's just another one of the very interesting parts of your life story, isn't it? You know. Oh yeah, it's, um, it's fucking bonkers. And to be honest, I genuinely, it's been, tw- it's been ten years now since he's been arrested. December the twelfth now coming up will be the tenth anniversary of him being arrested. Um. It's literally just a story of when I was growing up, I was into stereophonics. Well, originally I was into happy hardcore um, uh, or dragon force as it's known now. Um, <laughs> I was into happy hardcore. And then obviously being from Merthyr Tidville and the Welsh Valleys, I got pushed into loving the stereophonics. Um, so the first gig I ever went to was Morpher Stadium uh, with the stereophonics. Wow. And that changed my life. And then, um, and then I found Limp Biscuit, 
and uh, you had Fred Durst swear 48 times on the song Hot Dog. <laughs> and I thought, shouting and swearing, that's two things I'm really good at. That's I me, I need this. that. Yeah, yeah, I could do that, yeah. So I, I saw them, and then that, lead me, that led me to find Lost Prophets. And I went to see Lost Prophets playing Blackwood Miners Institute downstairs to fucking 200 people, and it changed my life, right? It literally made me go... I'm all in on whatever this fucking music is. I love this. They were fucking running about, stage diving, running on people's heads, spitting in the air, and it was landing on the crowd. It was mosh fit. I'd never seen like a mosh fit like that before because I'd only been a stereophonic, so it was all just sardines pushing each other about. Yeah. And then when I was in Lost Prophets, it was a circle pit. There were people with dreads, topless, spin-kicking people, and I was like, yeah, this is like a fight. <laughs> and... I saw them, I saw Lost Prophets doing the music that I wish that I could have done. Mm. So seeing them do that, and then like they were getting attention in America, and they were fucking all over Kerrang! and Scuzz and P-Rock or whatever the fucking channels, MTV2, when MTV2 did music. Um, and they were the catalyst for me going, oh, you can do that and be from around here. That's nuts. Yeah. I think I could do that. So then I literally stalked them until they became my friends. And then he went from being my hero, my frontman hero, to being one of my best friends. Wow. To then becoming the world's most evil man. And yeah, and to say, I never, like, I never in a million years, to be honest. Like I, yeah, like I started saying earlier, I don't think I've 100% dealt with it mentally. Because mm. when I think about it, and I've, oh, I, when I think about it, hear about it, or oh, I've read about the crimes that he committed, they seem so far out of what anyone is capable of. Yeah, yeah. That I, but I don't think, yeah, I don't think my, my brain is processed it i guess because it's fucking wild how can you? you how can you it's so far out it's of like, absolutely like you said yeah and one of the things i've been lucky lucky enough to do with the podcast is episode 50 see episode 50 yeah 54 i think see the 54 58 i think it's 54 episode 54 we had Stuart richardson on who was the bassist from lost profits and it was the first time anybody from Lost Profits had talked about what had happened with Ian since he's been arrested. And our whole point in that podcast was trying to make the name Lost Profits not a dirty word. Hmm. Yeah. The names Ian Watkins can be a dirty word forever it and deserve be, yeah. to be. Yeah. It should be fucking strung up. It should be fucking undrawn and quartered, right? Yeah. But the Lost Profits is five other guys who give fucking everything, right, to be in that band. They fucking loved it. It was their lives. And they had it all taken away from him by this one man's fucking disgusting actions. And we had people messaging us after that podcast. You're in some of Stu. Stu talks, tells a story about beating Ian up for missing yeah. a show, yeah. right? I listened to for it, missing yeah. a half-hour show, yeah. And people thought that they knew what he was up to. And it's like, Stu smashed Ian's face in with a can of Monster for missing a 30-minute show in America, right? Bear in mind, Stu's got kids. They've all, everybody else in Lost Profits has got children. 
They beat him up for missing a 30-minute show. Imagine what they would have done to him if they'd known what he was doing. Hmm. They would have turned him into a pink mist. When I spoke to Mike Lewis from Lost Profits about this, I said, yeah, because this is the thing, see, people, you know, you've seen it. Obviously, people thought, well, people thought I knew. People thought everybody around him. Because all, band, all the bands who were related to Lost Profits all got tarnished with that. Yeah. So if you look look at everybody after that, everybody starts dropping off. Yeah. for a friend went, the blackout went, kids in glass houses went. We all kind of got tarnished with the, oh, we were friends with this twat. But, but yeah, when I was speaking to Mike Lewis about it, you know, I said, oh, you know, people think that we knew what he was doing. And Mike Lewis said, if we had known, we would have dropped a boulder on him. Right. right? And that couldn't be any more true. So the best thing to come about this podcast that I'm doing something podcast was getting to rub off some of the dirt of the lost profits names, because without them, I wouldn't be a, we wouldn't be having this conversation. I wouldn't have got to live what I've lived. And there's so many bands who wouldn't exist now if yeah. it wasn't for lost profits. Totally. 100%. I think a lot of people forget that just because one man's fucking absolute criminal fucking evil. Oh, pure evil, pure, pure evil. evil. Um, yeah literally tarnished so many different bands and um it's just fucking heartbreaking to see like oh, dude i can't imagine i just can't imagine being in that orbit when that happened you know what i mean it's just it's, it, it is impossible for us normal people to process that so my heart goes out to you and, and everyone who's around that man because you know that's just yeah how you how, how you come to terms with that I, I i doubt you probably ever are you probably ever will i don't know yeah i don't know it's like i've read I've read the full court case of what he did to the point where I was nearly fucking sick. And it, yeah, it just... Because what happened was, I think in 2009 or something like that, I think he found drugs. Hmm. So I think he went to America and he ended up doing crystal meth or some fucking mad drug with somebody over there and then got into it in a big way. Because around about 2009, we all started to see a change in him. Even the Lost Prophets boys did. He started... Because he used to be like, if we were doing something, he'd be out and he'd be fucking hanging about. And majority of the time, he's, you know, looking for a girl or whatever. And then all of a sudden, he just started staying in his hotel, just going back to his hotel room straight after gigs and staying there and all this shit. And then I think they found out that he was like making GHB in the bath in some of the hotels. And then that drug then, in that drug then, it gives you fucking intense high and then apparently knocks you out. So, um, I don't know if he was using that as like some sort of sleep, like day trip drug or whatever. But yeah, he was just getting into more darker things. Mm. Um, and then I think a picture of him appeared on the internet of him um, blowing, um, blowing transvestite or something like that. And then he denied that was him. And yeah, it all just went downhill from there, I right. think. And, I think he had a website where he was prostituting himself. What the shit fuck? Like Jesus Christ. Yeah, money for crack or whatever. And, and yeah, it was just, I think it was like crystal meth that like sent him fucking mad. But, you know, I guess he must have also had those thoughts and those in desires him. in his yeah. head prior to that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, not that you go around going, oh, but I tell you what I'm into, boys. But, but he never, like, we had no fucking inkling. I just thought he was... I remember having a conversation with Mike Lewis. We were in Canada in 2000 and... 
whenever, just before Liberation Transmission came out, I went over to Vancouver and recorded with them. I did some screams on a song called Everyday Combat. And I was talking to Mike Lewis because he and I had two dates in one day with two separate girls. And I remember saying to him, at this rate, he's going to complete women and move on to men. <laughs> and, Mike said, and Mike said to me, no, nah, no way. He loves, he loves women too much. And it's like, look, he moved on to men and then he got even worse. Like, yeah. He just, yeah. was just pushing the boundary. Like I, mental, mental, yeah, mental. It's, it's, fuck, it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. Oh, it's um, fucking absolutely fucking mental. I mean, what a thing to have lived through, man. I'm sorry to bring that up, dude, you know, because I think that's, right. a, that's a scar that you're probably going to carry for the rest of your life, I think. So thanks for talking about that with us, man. And it's, it's fucking really, you know, noble of you that you're using your platform to clear the name of the, the band and, you know, the rest of the boys in the band whose lives and dreams were destroyed by that prick, you know? So, um, but we'll, we'll change gears. We'll move on because, I mean, talking about bands, uh, you were in a new band, the Mighty Raiders. So tell yes. us what's going on there and what's happening. Um, nothing, nothing. We're, uh, <laughs> we put out some songs over the pandemic period by our um, band camp. We're doing the band camp Friday thing. And we've got five songs out at the moment. Um, some American bastards took the name a I week saw. before right. we went live on Spotify. So we're Raiders UK on streaming websites. Again, I just wanted to play live. I wanted to play angry, angry heavy rock songs. Mm. And yeah, just have a laugh with my friends. So I managed to convince Bob from the Blackout to do it. Um, my friend Sticks was um, in another band called Flailing Whale. And then Sticks ended up getting Ryan involved, who's our bassist. And yeah, we just wanted to play shows and festivals and stuff like that. So we've been recording slowly. we got five songs out now. We're open to record again soon, hopefully. Um, but our drummer's now um, having a baby. Well, his missus is having a baby early next year or so. Yeah, I'm hoping to do some more shows and stuff with Raiders. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens, really, I guess. But yeah, it's been fun getting back out there. And again, we've gone, you know, we've gone back to playing um, rooms to hardly anybody, and it's been liberating and fun. Right, it's been um, nice. It's been good, yeah, to play to people who are not our crowds as well. And I've met loads of people who had no idea who the Blackout were, um, who have come on to me after and gone, "Oh, you're really good at this." <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, I've, yeah. I've done this for at least two weeks now. Yeah, I'm doing all right this time, um, but yeah, there's nice. Um, yeah, it's gone a bit slow lately, but um, yeah, we're we're always looking to play. So if anybody's listening to this and, and checks out Raiders and wants to put us on, put a gig on, let us know. Um, I guess we've already spoken about fees on yeah. Um, so you know, you know how much we need to get the event in. <laughs> yeah, if you're listening to this, like, go and check out Sean's band Raiders. Yeah. Honestly, Jesus Christ, man, that band will, yeah. will fucking tear your face off and feed it back to you. I mean, you know, as soon as you finish the podcast, go and check them out. But yeah, that's the thing. We like basically, if um, yeah, if I was left to front in the blackout on my own angry and shouty like Raiders is is what it would be right but luckily for the blackout we've got Gavin Butler's beautiful, beautiful dulcet voice. tones yeah man <laughs> yeah yeah um, but yeah it's like an angrier version of the blackout I guess yeah the blackout meets a lot of people say deaf tones mm. uh, which is strange to me yeah. I think it's just riffs riffs maybe but um, it's got that aesthetic I suppose but no that wouldn't come to my mind like 
Yeah, Angry 2008. If you remember 2008, that's what Raider sounds like. That's so your pivot please point. check it out. <laughs> Go and yeah. check him out. Well, Sean, <laughs> man, look, I promise I wouldn't keep you for longer than an hour. We've already gone over time. I've got loads more shit I want to ask you, but I know you're a busy guy and you've got a busy day ahead of you, man. So I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you go before I you know, keep you here till fucking Thank midnight. You. How's the pay out? Before we go, how's the picture coming on? Oh, I'm just still coloring in. Yeah, I've done, I've done devil horns around the circle for some reason. I've written, uh, I am the fire. Because somebody asked me the other day to write out I Am The Fire so she could have a tattoo. That was um, a lyric by The Blackout. Oh, sweet. Yeah, it's just hearts and pentagrams mainly, which is my life. So there you go. <laughs> well, when it's finished, send me a photo of it because I'd love to know. Cause I, can't, <laughs> I can see you scribbling, but I can't see what he's scribbling. So I'd love to see the, yeah. the work of art that's been occurring whilst he's also been having this chat with us. So thanks so much for coming on and chatting with us today, man. I really appreciate it. You're a super cool awesome. dude. You've got a lot of love out there, man. And uh, keep doing what you're doing and keep being you, dude. Best wishes with everything. And I can't fucking wait to see you tear that fucking stage and download a new one next year. So best wishes with everything, man. And thanks again for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you. Sean Smith, ladies and gentlemen, put it together for him. Thanks, man. Thank you for having me, brother. Thank Thank you for coming, dude. See you, bro. (laughs) See you, man. And he's gone. Wow. What a conversation that was, man. And what a cool dude. You know, I mean, Sean, you know, he's he's a cool guy, man, you know, and he's very open and honest and articulate and intelligent. And I'm super stoked for him that he's, he's getting back on the big stage with the blackout after all these years, because that that's his natural habitat. That's where he should be, you know? If there's any young or emerging or starting out bands or musicians listening, take heed. <laughs> Listen to what Sean just said, because it's every single word of what he said is true, not just of his experience, but of mine and every single musician I have ever spoken to in my life, ever. The music industry is mental. It's always been mental, and I can't see any sign of it getting any better anytime soon. So the more people know, musicians and music lovers and the fans and, you know, the general public alike, the more people know just how fucking bad it is for us musicians in terms of getting paid from anyone. Um, I think it's, you know, I think that's a, a good thing. So I think the more musicians who are open about the true reality that they're living financially and emotionally and in terms of you know, just having any semblance of like normal everyday creature comforts whatsoever, I think the more people know about that, then the better. So props to Sean for sharing his story with us today. Uh, I found that a really enjoyable, fascinating and interesting and funny chat. I hope you did as well. As always, please subscribe to the podcast. You've just listened to how fucking rough it is for us musicians. <laughs> so the least you can do is to subscribe to the goddamn thing and help my podcast, my humble podcast, which I also don't get paid for. <laughs> so um, if you could please subscribe, leave a rating or a review or a comment or something like that, that would really help me out. Thank you so much. I'll be back next week with another awesome episode and another awesome guest. Stay tuned. In the meantime, take care of yourselves, take care of others, stay awesome. Have a great week and I love you loads. Bye-bye.